Hello, everyone, and welcome to the podcast. This is Mark Joseph Bennett coming to you recorded live from the Toyota Prius recording studio right in the heart of Toronto, Ontario. We have uh, new listeners. Guys, isn't this exciting? Now, you, you say, Mark, you did a show. You did a show last week for the Just for Laughs, the big comedy festival and they have it in Toronto. You know what? Let's, yeah, I'm just going to, I'm going to do an aside to say that's bullshit. All right. It sounds fancy. A lot of you people out there, you you know what the Just for Last Festival is. So that's in Montreal. They do one now in Toronto. But I'll tell you what, guys, they do bring in some big name acts. Well, what I did was I just went to a comedy club that I always play at. And they had a big Just for Last logo slapped on the fucking thing. You know, as if it's some kind of important show. And I'll tell you what, it was the least populated show. There, there was so little audience there compared to this place always has a great audience. And all of a sudden, at the very fancy Just for Laugh show, it was super sparse. And I'll tell you why, because they sell all these fucking tickets online and passes. So, like, people get passes to go to a certain amount of shows. So they try to use up all their passes to go see you know, things like uh, like American comedians that they don't normally get a chance to see. So the Canadian venues are left high and dry, but they all have to participate. Otherwise, they're poor sports anyway. Fucking guys. Guys, do I have to bitch about Just for Laughs again? Of course I do. I'm me, and they don't use me very much, so I'm bitter. Obviously. Obviously. Let's not be crazy here. I know, I know who I am. But I did have a nice time at the show. Sure, it wasn't a huge audience, but they loved me. Oh, guys. Guys, they loved me so much. Carried out. I was carried out on the shoulders of five women. No, but it was a good show, you know. People laughed and then applauded. That's all you're looking for. You're not not trying to change the game. You're just trying to have a good game. It was a nice time. What was I talking about before I got into that? Oh, yeah. You're thinking, Mark, your podcast subscribers, they probably came after that show, right? You said, hey, on stage, if you guys like my show, then don't don't forget to subscribe to my podcast. That sounds like a good idea. But, of course, I did not do that. I haven't. I've been doing this podcast since what, guys? February? Has it, is it, has it been February? Hold on. I'm checking with the statistician in the back of the car. Eduardo. It was it was. Eduardo says February. He's a good man back there. I could let him sit in the passenger seat, but no. You sit in the back, Eduardo. And in case you're wondering, his name is Eduardo, but you know, he's German. So there's no nothing discriminatory going on. I just let I just make him sit in the back because he needs to know his place. Don't you eyeball me, Eduardo! I hate when he makes eye contact, guys. I fucking hate it. No, I got podcast subscribers because we had a party. And those people found out I had a podcast because some people at the party already listened. So the other people at the party was like, and you know what, guys? I got to stop it again to call that a party. Jesus Christ. That is that's blasphemy to, to the word party. What we did was me and my wife had people over. 
We ordered Indian food because we're too tired to do anything. We're not. We. I bought a bottle of Coke and and some booze, and uh, which nobody drank. And um, we gave we gave some people some Indian food, and we sat down and had a mild conversation, so that we would not wake up our baby, who is twenty feet away in the room trying to sleep. So we were all like, hey, I think so. So do you like the Indian food? Yeah, I, I like the Indian food. So this is what it's like to be an adult, right? <laughs> oh, that was me snoring, by the way. That was my attempt to say that we were all falling asleep because we were. And I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. It's not, not like the party was super boring. I mean, it, it, wasn't, it wasn't a party you have in your 20s. You got, there was people there with kids. We were all tired. But we were tired from the night before. The night before was actually more like an actual party. You, we, we felt we felt less old the night before. Friday night it was it was a surprise party for my, one of my wife's friends. So we went to some trendy uh, Toronto space. I don't know what you fucking call it. It's like you go in and it looked like we were in a. Uh, it, it's just one little alleyway. And it, and I like when I walked in, I thought, oh shit, I missed, the, I went in through the wrong door. I'm in the restaurant's kitchen and uh, I'll just go out the other door. And she was like, no, this is it. Because the guy's, uh, the surprise party guy, his wife had rented a space. So there was food and drinks in this little like alleyway of a restaurant. And I tell you what, and then it filled up with all his friends, and everybody's wearing like plaid shirts and thick rim glasses, and they all had haircuts, you know, that shaved on the sides and on the back, and and something fancy with some gel there, and all the ladies they got dresses and and purses or whatever the fuck ladies do to look trendy. And uh, I felt like I felt like I tell you what, guys, I'm a small town boy, all right, grew up in a town of six thousand. In a in a pig farming community, I kid you not. And yet, you know, you would think, hey, that community must smell awful. It must smell like pig shit. And you'd be half right. It did smell awful. And even though it was a pig farming community, the actual stench of the community was the chicken farm. You may not know this, but chicken shit is the most potent of all shits. You think... You think, oh, well, they, oh, look at this cow manure. Oh, how disgusting cow manure. Cow manure was our perfume. All right? We would use that shit as cologne to try to get rid of the smell of the chicken shit. There was probably 10 pig farms for every one chicken farm in the Goulds, Newfoundland. But yet the chicken shit, oh, that's what penetrated the windows in the evening. Jesus H. Christ. Anywho, I'm from a small town. And when I'm sitting in this kitchen slash restaurant alleyway, I'm just like, I'm like, look at this, guys. I'm a man of the world. I felt, uh, I mean, Christ, I've been, I'm 39. I've, I've moved out of uh, Newfoundland since I was 24. So what's that, 15 years? I've lived in Los Angeles, for Christ's sake, but I still, I still, at an event like that, I feel like, hey, look at this. 
I'm really participating in society. Look where I am. Look at all these checkered shirts around me. And uh, we had a nice time. We, we hired a babysitter. Uh, it, uh, the babysitter is our cleaning lady. But, but before you judge, she is also a nanny. She's a nanny to other people that we know. Well, actually, we don't know those other people. We just know her as our cleaning lady. But we know she's, she's, we know she's well-trained. She's equipped. So we've had two different babysitters at this point. They've both been Filipino. That will come as no surprise to anyone who uh, lives in Canada because the Filipinos are renowned. They're renowned for their ability to take care of children. I've talked about it in the podcast before. You, tr- you trust them. Yeah, I was about to say, I trust them with my life. It's, it's more than that. You're trusting them with your baby's life, guys. And I'll tell you what, any day of the week, because these ladies that we are hiring, reliable, showing up early, staying, doing, like, fucking fixing up the place while we're gone, for Christ's sake. So we, we didn't stay out too late. But we went out, you know, and I had a beer. My wife had some wine. You know, and then uh, apparently their party went to like 3 a.m. We were, we were home by midnight. But come on, guys. Midnight? You got a 13-month-old baby? Midnight? That's not too bad. The mistake was trying to do something on Saturday. That was the mistake. You know, these Sarah's friends, they were uh, gracious enough to show up and to not make a lot of noise. Because that fucking baby would have started screaming. But it was, it was low-key. Because I tell you what. You're getting old. You're getting old, man. There was a couple of times my head was bobbing. You know, I'm just trying to just trying to keep it upright. Because it was 10 p.m. on a Saturday, and I had been out the previous night. And I don't, you know, when you're, you're 22 years old, you might go out seven straight nights. You don't even feel it. Things change. And, like, today, I've napped. I've napped today. I'm not even going to call it a nap. I think I passed out. And my total consumption of beers this weekend was four. I had four fucking beers. And not special beers laced with absinthe. I'm talking regular, domestically brewed Sam Adams beers. And I'm fucking, I'm wrecked. I barely know what I'm talking about right now. It's 8 p.m. on Sunday, and if I hadn't had a nap at 6 p.m., I'd be already in bed. I'd be done. And I'll tell you what. It's not helping that our little rug rat is skipping his naps. This little bastard. Like, you're supposed to do, at his age, a nap in the morning, a nap in the afternoon, And then eventually they transition to one nap a day. And that nap is usually at noon for two hours. And, uh, but you don't want to transition that nap until he's about 18 months, 18 months old. And his naps have been, have been a lifesaver. They're the only thing that helps me get through the day because I'm taking care of him in the morning from about eight to 10. Then he goes down for a nap and I can get something to eat. I can get a cup of coffee, you know, kind of maybe do a little bit of work. Maybe I'll write a piece of stand up. Who knows? And then he wakes up at 1130. 
and then we go to drop-in centers, and we do some shit until about 3, then he goes down from 3 to 4.30, then I get some more work done, maybe eat something else, and then uh, I take care of him again until his mom comes home at 5.30. And it's been working out. And these last five days, he has just skipped the afternoon nap. So he is awake from like 11.30 in the morning until he goes to bed at 7 at night. And he's a fucking disaster. He's a, And so you're trying to be like, this is what happens when you skip your nap, buddy. And he doesn't understand because he's still a blob of a baby. Oh, but he's walking. Guys, did I tell you that? This little bastard, he's walking around like crazy. I just realized if he ever, you know, if podcasts are still a thing when he's a bit older and he's like, hey, but dad is a podcast. I better go listen to the podcast. And he hears me call him little bastard all the time. He's probably going to be like, well, I, I thought my dad liked me. I do, son. If you're listening to this in the future, it's just me. It's just how I talk. You're, it's out of love. All right? It's uh, their terms of endearment. Terms of endearment, son. Anyway, the party. So uh, I got some new listeners at the podcast. It's, it's, a, it's a weird way to market your podcast. To be holding parties and then uh, getting guests at your parties to listen to the podcast as opposed to telling an audience full of people well not full of people it's a sparse show fucking just for laughs but yeah the little fella's walking he just decided uh last week that he was going to take a few steps and then of course he waited a, a little while a lot of, they say the average baby walks in like 12 months so at 13 months he's still not walking we we could tell that he could he was just like, yeah, no, I'm good. I don't mind crawling around. This, I'm, I'm okay. I don't need to fall from a full standing height. I'll just crawl and I'll face plant while I crawl. But he finally took a few steps and then he just went crazy. Just running around like a psycho. Just, it's, it's so funny. I, and now I know where the term toddler comes from. I never put it together. But toddler, they're just, they're toddling about, you know? Like, they look like they're about to tip over all the time. Little toddler. Very cute. And he's saying all kinds of words now. Calls me Papa. Papa. Because my wife speaks French to him. And I don't want to correct him on that. Dad. Dad sounds... That doesn't sound as good as Papa. Eh, Papa. And I tell you what. Look, guys. I don't want to go off on a cute fest rant. You know, I guess it's so cute. And the son... And I'll tell you, that, that is all also we talked about at the party. We talked about kids uh, all the entire time. Man, I tell you what, you get old. It just, it doesn't, it doesn't hit you till you sit down to record your podcast about how old you act. I still feel like a young fucking idiot. And I'm still an idiot. Don't get me wrong. I'm just not young. You know, it's great. It's great to watch him get older. It's great to watch him do all kinds of new things. It's just sometimes, sometimes it's tiring. Like you guys know that I don't plan to send him off to any daycares anytime soon. For I might homeschool him, for Christ's sake. I won't, I won't homeschool him. But, I, you know, I, it, it's to the point where I'm almost tempted. I am almost. I don't, I'm certainly, I don't want to send him to daycare, but if today is any indication... He should be going 
to daycare. Like, I didn't have the energy, nor did my wife, to do anything for him, to teach him anything. To ju- we're just dragging our feet all day long because we went out two nights in a row. Or I should say we had two nights in a row of things to do. And we can't do that shit anymore. So this, today he was just looking at us like, guys, what the fuck? Do something, entertain me. Teach me how to make a puzzle or do a drawing, something. Don't just sit there on your asses looking at your iPads. All hung over from two fucking beers. Yeah, goddamn lightweight. We did do something else today. We, uh... We went to another open house. We've been going to about one open house a week looking at the real estate market here in Toronto. And it is just ridiculous. It's so goddamn depressing. That's what it is. It's just, do you know, last week when I ranted about that asshole realtor chick, oh, but I fucking hate her. Let me tell you something. If she was a man and my bones worked properly, I would have punched her in the teeth. She was a fucking, oh, oh, what a, what a piece of work she was. Guys, don't get me started. Don't get my blood up. Eduardo, calm me down. I tell you, that house, if you can call it that, the dumpster that we saw that they listed for 650000 And as I told you guys last week, I was tempted as I was walking out to go, <laughs> You're listing this for six fifty. You're not very good at your job. Boom! Close the door. Walk off into the fucking sunset. And she'd be like, "Who was that man? Who put me in my place?" You know what the fucking thing sold for? Seven hundred and sixty thousand dollars. Listed six fifty for just a dungeon. Six hundred and fifty thousand sold. For $760, $110,000 over asking for a place that just looks like the inside of a toilet. It was, oh, it just, it's the, I just said, Sarah, fuck it then. Well, I give up. We're done. Not going to do this shit. But of course, we looked at a house today. We're looking at townhouses now, guys. And I don't know if that means anything to you because it, bar- it didn't mean anything to me until my wife explained it. So you got detached houses. That's the, that's the Shangri-La. Detached is what it sounds like. There's nothing attached to you. You have your own little space. You got your plot of land, your own little house. And you're like, Mark, that's good. You should do that one. Sure. Do I have $10 million? Do I have fucking $10 million? Because that's what you need in Toronto. Yeah, in all honesty, you need $3 million to get a decent-looking detached house. And then you got your semi-detached, so you're, you're fastened on to somebody next door. And the thing is, then, then you're at that, who, who's your next-door neighbor going to be? Because you're, you're literally attached to them. So you could be upkeeping your side of the house, but their side of the house, they could be letting vines grow all over the place, could have raccoons coming in and out of the attic. You know, you could be sitting there attached to some heroin dealer. And then you got your townhouses. All right. So they just they build these row of houses. Kind of looks like, uh, uh, you know, the opening of the Cosby show where I think they were in Brooklyn 
and it was you have all these houses that were like attached. It looks like a wall, and there's like many different steps up on all the houses. Those are townhouses, as far as I know. I am no expert in real estate, as you can tell by now. And my wife always thought I didn't want a townhouse because she knows I hate the people. I hate the people of the world. So she was like, you certainly won't want to be in a townhouse. It's kind of like being in an apartment building. There's a lot of people around. But I, I, it's still your own space, you know? And if I can get something for less than a billion dollars... Anyway, we're long story short, we're looking at townhouses. And um, today we had a nice experience. I did not want to punch the realtor in the face. So that's a win right there. But um, we're not going to do it. It didn't wow us. Guys, it didn't wow us. Is it too much to ask to go into a place and go, hey, I like it here. I would like to live here. In Toronto, that's not how you do real estate. You just go to a place and go, oh, is there any way I can get this? So what you're asking for it 800,000. So if I put in a bid for 850,000 uh today immediately while as, as I'm walking into the front door, maybe maybe I'll get it. It's this panicked way to buy everything. And then you have to do like a $500,000 of renovations. Anyway, guys, I'm fucking done. I'm not done. I'll keep looking at houses. Anything for the boy. I just you want it, I don't know. Living in an apartment building it's it's convenient, but I just, it'd be nice to have your own space. I used to play guitar, guys. I know. You probably assumed it because of how cool I am. You're like, that guy, that guy can fucking rock out. He can, he can play some Jimi Hendrix. He's got some little wing in him, and you're right. I used to play guitar, and it'd be nice to do that again, but I can't do it with neighbors all around me, you know? It's just, I don't want to disturb other people. You know, we got a baby in the house now, so... But now, if I had a house with, like, three floors, I maybe I'll go play some guitar upstairs. I don't know. Let's change gears, guys. Let's change gears for a second and talk about fucking Vladimir Putin. Yeah, that's right. We're going to talk about the old poot. The pooterooney. The Rudy Tootie, Vladimir Putin, this fucking guy. The Facebook ads came out. They were saying about the Facebook uh, propaganda ads for, for Trump, sponsored by the Russians. And turns out, yeah, turns out, uh, old Pootie Pie, he uh, had some ads there supporting Trump. But here's the kicker. He also put in some ads. Supporting another candidate. And that candidate, in case you're not in the know, was Mr. Bernie Sanders. And I'll tell you what. That is, do you need any more evidence of what a diabolical genius this Putin is? This fucking guy. You know? Because he knew what would happen. He knew the Clintons and their connections would cut all Bernie down at the knees and he'd never get the Democratic nomination. He knew it. That's how ahead of the game he is. I'll pump up Sanders 
to help kind of split the allegiance because he knew Sanders is the good shit. He was like, Sanders is actually somebody that you might want in the White House. He's never going to get in because the Clintons, they're just going to fucking roadblock him with all their goddamn Bilderberg connections or whatever the goddamn stonecutter meetings they go to. So they're going to they're gonna chop him down. But if we can take some, some liberal supporters and attach them to Bernie Sanders, when they see him getting railroaded, they're going to get mad and they're going to flip. And that's exactly what fucking happened. A bunch of people abstained from voting because they were like, fuck you, Clintons. We love Bernie Sanders and Sarah Silverman and all kinds of comedians. I support Bernie Sanders. Guys, it's a a vote for Bernie Sanders. And everybody got whipped up into a frenzy. Bernie Sanders, not just for president, for the ruler of the universe. We love that old Jew. Love Bernie. Bernie. Everybody. Everybody felt the burn. Myself included. Love Bernie Sanders. I still love Bernie Sanders. I knew he wasn't going to get in. But, uh, boy, oh boy, for a second there, it looked so much fun. Looked like it was going to be so much fun. Fucking Sanders. And then, and so Putin, he knows. So he, he puts in ads to, to help bolster the Bernie Sanders movement. Let me tell you something. Everybody worried about this, this Kim Jong-un. Guys, let's not forget about old Vlad. Oh, fucking Vlad the Impaler over there. This, this dude. I, Jesus Christ. I, I don't, I don't know what's going to happen. So his greatest opposition has always been the United States. The guy in charge of the United States fights with Saturday Night Live on Twitter every week. It, that's the guy we have to oppose Putin. And his complete and utter world domination. Like you got fucking Merkel over in Germany going, uh, can we get a little help here? Putin is taking over the goddamn globe. And Trump's like, yes, I'm very good at helping. Oh, wait, Alec Baldwin's doing an impression. Hold on. I'm not going to look at Merkel. Fucking this guy. Anyway. I'm not going to say it. This podcast's not going to become about Donald Trump. I, because honest to Christ, I'm sick of it. I'm just sick of it. Let's just end it, guys. Let's end the world. Just cut to the chase. You know, I I know this is not possible, but if him being president leads to the destruction of the entire world, it'd be nice to at least just get it over with. You know, I know there's no crystal ball letting you know what's going to happen. But if in three years that the whole world explodes, let's just do it now. I was Stop making me suffer for three years. It'll probably be fine. Like I was thinking, on a note of optimism, ladies and gentlemen, I was thinking that uh, by the time my son is like 10, let's say, let's say by the first time he ever hears the word politics, because... Like, seriously, when, when, when have you ever heard about who is president or anything like that? Yeah, you know, the first time that you have a memory of that, I don't know what, you were 14, 15? But let's just say our kid is kind of aware of the world. And 
He's figuring out who's president when he's 10 years old. The Donald Trump thing will be such a long memory, assuming he only gets one term. And I'm assuming he will, because who likes him at this point? And um, just the idea that when I when my kid is 10, we'll be like, you remember the Donald Trump thing? Jesus Christ. And he almost got everybody killed by North Korea. You know, and then Vladimir Putin became the leader of the free world. And now we all serve old Vlad. And something else I need to mention, guys. Netflix. Oh, my. Let me apologize to Netflix right here and right now. I said that they're going to be the death of stand-up comedy. And that may be the case. And for those of you who aren't following every episode of the podcast, and if you're not, the fuck, guys? Follow every episode. I've been saying that Netflix is spending so much money on so many comedians, and they're just... They're pumping so much comedy out that my guess is eventually they'll reach a saturation point and people will be like, you know what? Enough with the stand-up. You know, these you keep throwing like $60 million at the, the big-name comedian so that they're having to churn out specials very quickly. And even the greats can't turn out really fast specials. You know, you need a little while to work on your material. And then the quality will go down because people are trying to pump out more so they can get more of that Netflix money. And eventually people will just turn away from stand-up. It will be less in vogue. That's my theory. However, Netflix just announced they're going to invest $500 million into Canadian entertainment. And I'm like, wellity, wellity. Netflix. Listen, before you ruin comedy, let's throw me in there. I can help ruin comedy. You guys, you guys go ahead and you give me some of that Netflix money. Guys, you listen now. You don't have to give me the Dave Chappelle money. All right? I will take a third of what Dave Chappelle gets. Okay? Just, you know, I'm that type of guy. I tell you what, I won't even bash trans, transgendered. How about that? That's a guarantee from me to you. You give me a third of the money you're giving Dave Chappelle. I'll give you an hour completely free of transgendered bashing. How about that? I watched Dave's other special, and uh, I thought it was better. Um, I don't know which one was which, but uh, the one in Texas was the better one, I thought, personally. I, You know, both. He's got a great aura. Guys, he's really, he does come across as some kind of sage, some kind of mystic being. And uh, that is, it's, it's, it's otherworldly. But if you, his material itself, it's just, it isn't the thing that, uh, it isn't something that I go crazy about. I like killing him softly, one of his old specials. But uh, I don't know, it's the type... I even feel bad saying this. It's the type of thing that I want. I want to love everything Dave Chappelle does. I really do. But uh, I don't. Oh, and let me issue a second apology. And this was to Jerry Seinfeld. Guys, I said that when Netflix threw the money at Jerry Seinfeld, that that wasn't a great idea because he's old now. And I don't mean old people can't do stuff, you know. So I'm getting there for fuck's sake. It's just, 
you know, he his heyday was when he was a bit younger, and he and he, he then he got his show, and he was seemingly was never a prolific writer. You know, I know the word on Jerry is that he's a prolific writer, but it's just the way his jokes are so specific. It's just it takes a long time to build up a good hour of that type of material, that very, you know, short observational joke. And good for him to be able to do it over the years, but he definitely doesn't churn out the material the way like a Louis C.K. does. And uh, so I wasn't holding out much hope for Jerry, but he was smart, man. He was fucking smart. That new Netflix special, because, see, the thing is, the reason I'm, I'm mentioning Jerry's age is that it's his style of comedy. Uh, he, he's basically the quintessential 80s comedian with a, what's the deal with the airplane food? Like, everybody's always doing a Seinfeld. You know, there was, I remember Tom Hanks did a sketch on Saturday Night Live back in the 80s where they were stand-up comedians. And he was, that's what he was doing. He's like, what is up with this coffee? And even though people didn't know who Seinfeld was at the time, it was still the impression of what a comedian does. So Seinfeld is just, he's a bit older school, so I didn't think it was going to translate on the new special. But see, I guess he's no, he's no dummy. Guys, best show of all time. You know, I, that doesn't come out of nowhere. Sure, Larry David helped him. But, uh, but he's no dummy, clearly. Because they did... They did it in a weird way. It's kind of like a, a retrospective. He's, he does it at the, at the uh, place that he did his first ever comedy set. So there's that. Then he talks about the history. And then it's just, you know who I think helped him? It's Colin Quinn. Eh, eh, hear me out on this. I don't know. I didn't read the credits. Maybe he was, he was credited. But Jerry has been directing Colin Quinn's one-man show. And so what, what Colin Quinn does is like every year he takes a topic like the Declaration of Independence and then he uh, writes a whole routine about the Declaration of Independence and then performs it in New York City and Seinfeld directs these performances. So I think what he did was he, he found a way to shoehorn a few of his old jokes into this overall narrative of New York City and where... Uh, when he first started performing. So he's kind of taking you through his life, but at the same time, peppering in all these, you know, older stand-up jokes that if he just got up there and tried to do them as a regular routine, you'd be like, ah, we don't, we don't do comedy like this anymore, Jerry. So he found a nice way to put a spin on it. And I feel like that's Colin Quinn. I feel like Quinn, that at least it was the influence of the Colin Quinn one-man shows that he's been doing. This is smart. I'll give him all the credit in the world. Smart. It's good stuff. So look at that, guys. I mean, this is also what happens when you get older. Sure, you're hungover from two beers, and uh, you can't do a goddamn thing after you go out Friday and Saturday, but you, you become, you know, somebody who's willing and able to apologize when he's wrong. So, Netflix, I'm sorry. Jerry, I'm sorry. Guys, you're both doing wonderful things. I mean, my old points are still valid, so this is only a half-assed apology. I still think that there's going to be comedy saturation. 
And I still think that most of the Jerry jokes were kind of old, uh, an old style joke that, but in context, in the context of what he was doing, it, it was working, I thought. I personally thought. Let me just say this. And this. Let me tell you something. If this, if I posted this on Facebook, oh, I'd get reamed. I, I'd get chewed out by the world. But since this is my podcast, and hardly anyone listens to it except people at parties I uh, host, I'm going to say that uh, I enjoyed the Seinfeld special more than the Dave Chappelle specials. How about that? What do you think of that, ladies and gentlemen? That's, uh, that's some big talk in the comedy world. People be like, how dare you? Dave Chappelle, he is, he's God right now. And Jerry is, Jerry's just cutesy observational stuff. You know, while Jerry's very well known in, from what I can, that just critically, he just, he hasn't had the same level of respect of guys like, you know, Richard Pryor, or George Carlin, or, uh, you know, now Dave Chappelle. Dave Chappelle's amongst these. He's he's one of these, uh, you know, genre, above-the-genre type guys. People have elevated him. But here's the thing. They've elevated him to this godlike status based not on his stand-up, I feel. I feel it was based on his uh, sketch comedy show. Which he always says was not his favorite type of comedy. He only lo- he loves stand-up. He thought sketch was pretty good, but he loved stand-up. But his sketch comedy show was what really took off. And it was, it was amazing. Anybody who denies that the Chappelle show was amazing is a fucking idiot. It's one of the greatest things you'll ever see. But that's the thing that everybody flipped out about. And so his stand-up, it kind of also was vaulted into the stratosphere when, and sure, he was a respected stand-up, but he wasn't on that level, the level of like a prior, you know, or a Carlin, or a, uh, you know, a Lenny Bruce, you know, or a Mitch Hedberg even. But now, my God, now he's, he's the biggest deal in the world. People are going ape shit. I don't know. I, I look forward to Dave's next special. I really feel like I feel like the next one is going to be the one where I agree with everybody that he is above comedy and he is the the pinnacle. But currently, currently I liked old old man Seinfeld and his comedy retrospective. You know, I blab on, giving my opinion about famous people, stuff like that, knowing, like, talk about, talking about Jim Carrey a bunch of times. Oh, guys, speaking of, this dude, he is saying some shit these days. Old Jim is saying some shit. I, it takes people so long to clue in that uh, somebody is out of their mind, basically. This Jim, I mean, you, you guys know, all you have to do is go back a few podcasts. You hear me talking about Jim Carrey and saying that I don't find him that mentally stable. And now, of course, everybody's talking about it because he said a bunch of shit in interviews about how he's not really real. He isn't Jim Carrey. He's never been Jim Carrey. We're nothing but tetrahedrons bouncing around. You know, and 
Here's the thing, and, and now everybody's taking it too far. They're like, he's fucking insane. He's a, or they think he's some kind of, you know, guru. He's, he's neither. He's just what he is. He's a clever guy who can't seem to find any meaning in his life, and he struggles with some mental health issues, as, as most of us do. He seems to have a little more depression than uh, your average citizen. So he's struggling to find meaning and find purpose and happiness. And he's a clever guy, so his brain is coming up with a lot of things that sound like they make sense to him. But what he needs to do is uh, do some philosophy. That's what I always think. When I see these, these guys who are pretty clever and pretty smart going off of them saying they're, you know, uh, nothing but tetrahedrons. You know they're reading some shit, but they're not. They just don't have a good enough background in it. And I'm not saying I do. I'm just saying if they're going to look for answers like this, really do it. You know, do a couple of courses. Talk to some, you know, PhDs in philosophy. Like, he's got enough money. He could have private philosophy coaches. Most philosophers, don't. they don't even have jobs. They'd be glad to go over to Jim Carrey's house and and school him on Nietzsche and Kierkegaard and whatever else he wants to fucking talk about. You know, just hire a couple of those guys and they'll give you enough of a background where you can start basing, you know, your opinions in something decently substantial as opposed to scrambling in your own brain going, oh, well, how do I deal with my own depression? I don't exist. I never existed. Then that once you accept that, you're free. This business will eat you up. You've got to be free. But Jim, just fucking read some philosophy, man. I you're I'm I guarantee you and that that you're smart enough. I'm talking to him directly, because he's a he's an avid listener of the podcast. You're smart enough to be able to understand these things, but you need a nice foundation in it. You can't just pick and choose. You can't read one book by some stupid guru or or come to some random conclusion as you're walking down the street and go, yes, I've I figured it all out. You have not. You need years of study. I guess I that'll be the first thing I do, I think. If I start losing my marbles, and I will, if I start losing my marbles, I'm going to just start taking philosophy courses and go, I can't figure things out. I'm super depressed. I want to leave my wife and child. I, I want to, you know, just sit down and meditate all day about how I'm not really here. I'll, I'll do some fucking philosophy courses and be like, what did Immanuel Kant say about stuff? And some smart guy would be like, oh, he said this, this, and this. You know? And I'll be like, oh. Can you say that again? Because I didn't, I didn't understand what you said. And after he explains it like 15 times, you know, the critique of pure reason, always wanted to read that and understand it. And I will when I go crazy. But right now I don't need it. But Jim, Jim, you need it, bud. Just, just go get, just dive right into philosophy. That's, that's my thing. But he's religious, so it's tough for religious people to dive into philosophy because they but you know what? Now, there's like the Thomas Aquinas and shit. They're religious. Anyway, the reason I was starting to talk about this, went off on, on the aside of Jim Carrey, is that uh, I assume there's no way that Jim is actually listening. I assume there's no way. I'm talking about Louis C.K. and Dave Chappelle. And, but you know what? Maybe I should watch myself. 
You know, it's like I, I have said that I don't like talking about people who are my neighbors, you know, because what if they start listening and I've said all this shit about them and then they don't like it. Sometimes I, uh, I forget that you're a stone's throw away from Dave Chappelle. You know, right now it seems like night and day. But you guys remember I went the first time me and my wife left our baby with a sitter. I went out to Brian Regan, one of my favorite comedians. And there was other comics at the show that I know that were watching in the audience. One of the guys, his name was Steve Dillon. He's a real good buddy of mine from Ottawa. We started comedy together and uh, he was at the show. And Steve, the one of his comedian friends, his manager is friends with Brian Regan's manager. And so guess what my buddy Steve did? He went out drinking with Brian Regan, my all-time favorite comedian, and Steve's all-time favorite comedian. And I, of course, of course, here's the luck for me. I had I was waiting around to say hey, hi to Steve because I couldn't say hi to him at the show. We, we weren't sitting together. You know, I just saw him. He was in the balcony, and I, I had better seats. You know, so here I thought I had won the evening. No, no. The evening was only beginning for Steve. He watches the show on the balcony. Still good seats. Not as good as mine. But then later, I'm waiting with my wife. Uh, so I say to her, let's just wait and see if, I, if Steve comes out. and I'll. But he never came out. And I was like, oh, I guess maybe we missed him. Turns out, no, he was waiting for Brian fucking Regan. So he was in there hanging out. And then they all went over to a comedy club. And they went drinking all night. Now, that part wouldn't have been great for me because God knows I can't handle booze anymore. But I definitely would have tried. That being said, here I am. Let's say I, let's say I had gone out and I was drinking and Brian Reed's like, oh, you do a podcast, man. Can I listen to your podcast sometime? And then he listens to the podcast and I'm like talking about how Jerry Seinfeld is old who's a good friend of Brian Regan's and that Dave Chappelle might not be as good as everybody's saying he is. You know, and then Brian Regan's like, hey, guys, Jerry, you check this out. And Dave Chappelle's like, and all of a sudden everyone hates me. Right? That could have just, that could have happened. That could have happened last Thursday. I, just, I don't know. Or maybe I'm just telling the truth, guys. Maybe Dave Chappelle would listen and go, you know what? This motherfucker... Is right. Maybe that's what he'd say. And then he'd call me up. He'd be like, I need to get together with you. You're the only one telling me the truth. Speak the truth, brother. That's it, everybody. That's it for the podcast. Go out there. Speak your truths. And, and if you're going insane, go do a philosophy course. That's my advice for the world. Also, stop bad-mouthing people in your industry. Like I do. That's, uh, that's just an idiotic thing to do. But guys, look, it's what I'm interested in. What, uh, what else do I have to talk about, right? I got the baby, and I have my comedy. That's it. That's all, it's, that's all I got. If you don't like it, you don't have to listen. Unless you've come to a party of mine. Then you're forced. You're, obli you're, you're obligated. Through the connection that we built. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. This is Mark Joseph Bennett. Going to sign off for this evening. I will uh, check in with you soon. Have a good uh, rest of your week. Good night.